everyone, and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jesse, And I'm Kelly. And this week we're discussing Zara the Windseeker by Nettie Akoriafor. This story follows Zara, a 13-year-old girl who is born with special hair called data locks data locks when her best friend falls into a coma after a snake bite uh, zara who is scared of pretty much everything has to take a journey through the jungle to find the cure chaos ensues as it does <laughs> initial reactions i could not i, I was so excited that we were finally going to read some netty I just love her intergalactic imagination and who fears death is fucking incredible. And then so is Binti the entire series, but that's also not what we're talking about. <laughs> I loved this novel. Sorry, <laughs> the Windseeker. Okorfo's debut from back in 2005. If you can believe it, I like flipped to the copyright page and I was like, Whoa. Yeah. The world building is next level and our MC is so feisty and relatable. And I loved watching her character development as she pushes herself out in the jungle. And there's a beautiful friendship at the core of the story. So lots to love. What about you? What'd you think? I have never read anything by Nettie Aquaria for before this book. So I went into it with no expectations at all. And I think everyone who has been around for a while will be surprised to learn that even though this was a travel story, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Shocked. Shocked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I love the friendship between Zara and Dari, and the story felt pretty unique in a lot of ways. And it was so much fun watching Zara grow into herself. So I really enjoyed this story. Even once I realized it was a travel story, I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to like this. But I totally did. So like, yay, very you exciting. shouldn't limit yourself. <laughs> You know, you should have an open mind. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good to go in with no expectations or like really no idea of what the book is about because then I couldn't set myself up to not like it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Recommend if you like. Okay. I have a few recommendations. Um, I think Matilda, although I have only seen the movie, so we're going off that, which is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Young girl with magical powers and she like learns to come into those powers. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Precocious young person who's always going mm -hmm. against her parents and things like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alice in Wonderland, which gets a few mentions in this book, although with a slightly different title, um, which I did not write down because... I was being silly, um, but it's very, very similar vibes. Miss Marvel, either the comics or the show, young girl coming into her powers. Um, and I think taking a story that we kind of see of a young woman coming into her power outside of whiteness is really interesting. So I really enjoyed that from Miss Marvel, both the show and the comics. Mm. And then I think A Blade So Black, which is an Alice in Wonderland retelling um, for an older audience because this book is middle grade. But I think if you like that book, you'll like this one. Or if you have a young person in your life who likes this book, they'll like A Blade So Black. Excellent read-alikes. All right. Why did we choose this book? This was the book choice of our wonderful Patreon patron, Gray, from 
at gray underscore reads. That's gray, G-R-E-Y. Um, follow them on Instagram for reviews of a wide variety of books. Gray is so prolific, such a prolific mm-hmm. reader. It's like enviable oh and they always post the best captions and I'm just like bookmarking their posts left and right being <laughs> like, okay, future me's got to read all this stuff. So much poetry too. I know. I love that. Ugh. Yeah. So I'm surprised that Gray picked this book knowing that I just like travel stories, but they were completely right. And so we really appreciate you for recommending this, Gray. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you, Gray. (laughs) You know us better than we know ourselves. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Time to talk about world building in Through the Wardrobe. So Zara lives in the Uni Kingdom on a planet called Janin. Um, It's a place that's very, very similar to our own with some differences in how things work, like computer parts can be grown, light bulbs come from special plants. Um, It reminded me a lot of the variants and like different timelines in the Loki show and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, like just lots of MCU stuff, Um, which was interesting since Aquaria 4 now writes for Black Panther and the Shuri comics. So it was kind of cool to see what her writing was like before she got into comic book writing. And maybe she's just always been a fan of comic books. But um, yeah, so I thought the world building was really cool. And like this other planet and Earth is kind of like this mysterious, maybe mythological place. <laughs> I, I love that little like breadcrumb, you know, of Earth being mis- like, a, like, we don't know if it's real. But then at the end, we find out that N- Nissi Beatty, I think her name is the other Windseeker. Her mom is yeah. from Earth. But yeah, I agree with you. The world building is like so utterly transportive and like very vivid that I can totally see why like TV series came into like more like visual media came into your mind as like a comparison. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'll get to the plants later because I can't eat it with all the plants. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is my sexuality right now. (laughs) Have you read any of the like Black Panther and Shuri comics that Okorafor has written? Um, I don't think so. I think I read the Black Panther written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm, now I'm not sure. I read some Black Panther by and the like earlier, and then I know I read like Captain America written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which was very interesting. So I'm not sure. Maybe, possibly. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. I think I saw them at Barnes and Noble when I was or redacted large book chain <laughs> when I was redacted there, <laughs> buying a book for our last last uh, episode. A massive aspect of the world building is just like this juxtaposition or like contrast between the uni kingdom, right? The like actual quote unquote civilization, which we'll get into later. The the like whole dichotomy of civilized versus primitive, you know, and then juxtaposed to the forest, right? The greeny jungle, which I thought was just like a cutesy name. All the names were like very sweet and very cute and yeah. just like whimsical. Mm-hmm. So I see why Alice in Wonderland came up totally. But forests are like this forbidden and powerful space, which is just like quintessential fantasy. And I just love how Akorafor is like, yeah, now I'm going to do my take on the forbidden forest. Right. And how a main character can change when they have to go on a journey through the forest. Chapter 10, Borderlands. It's like when um, Dari and Zara are first going into the forest and they're like, dealing with this you know fear that's built up because of all of the essentially the their programming the societal programming that they've been through i loved how a was able to really just illustrate these young people these adolescents being like 
I don't know, just like the, their capacity to question things and follow their intuition and their instincts. And I just think that that's really awesome. Yeah. And I think it does a good job of showing like how open-minded young people can be um, as opposed to like adults who have things so ingrained in them, um, like these beliefs about how the world should or does work. And like kids kind of um, like question that a lot. And so I think the forest was like the place where Zara and Dari both get to go that they can like question how the world works and like their own beliefs about that. Um, so I really appreciated that aspect of the of the forest. Okay, so I should also say there I, there wasn't an audiobook version of this, so if I'm pronouncing words wrong, I have no idea. <laughs> um, so <laughs> each region of Jenin has their own culture, and we see Zara thinking about this and how no culture is better than another one. They're just different. And in Zara's region, appearance and being like up-to-date on the latest fashion is like very important. We see other regions where they do like um, like metal work and bead work and like I guess a region that is like really tied to like food so we do get to see like all these different places and you can kind of like Zara has the ability to pick out people based on like what they're wearing or what they look like or some aspect of their like physical appearance that makes it possible for her to like be like oh I know where you're from so mm -hmm. I thought this was kind of interesting yeah like a way to build out the the world we didn't have a map I don't think I don't think so but they, they did use directions a lot. So mm -hmm. that maybe would have, maybe that if they did like a reprinting or something, I think that that would be really helpful because there was so many, like, I feel like you could go, it would be so cool to do, the artist could go so far with the illustrations, you know, with all of the animals and where the jungle is and where all the different, like, but I guess like also part of it is where you, that you don't know where things are and the protagonist is yeah. finding out where things are as we go along. So I don't know. But yeah, the, the different fashions was, this aspect of the, it was just like, so I used the word vivid, I guess before. And it's true because there were so many a, like aspects of daily life that were built out for like mm -hmm. very, you could tell it was like very thought out how, even though the story was taking place in one location in this fictional world, Okorafor had been thinking, you know, and really trying to give some bones and flesh out these other aspects too. Yeah. And I don't think there's other books like related to this one. Like, I don't think this is a series, but I could totally see how, because the world is so fleshed out, I could see there being a series and like seeing Zara and Dari um, go on more adventures. And I mean, now we're getting close to like, this book is almost 20 years old. Ugh. Oh my God. But, um, <laughs> uh, let that hit for a second. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's going to be a sequel, but I could totally see this being a series where we get to like follow lots of their adventures. Oh, and it would be such a beautiful adaptation to any sort of visual medium. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree. Somebody please do this. Oh my God. It would be a gorgeous <laughs> graphic novel. It would be a beautiful like TV show. Yeah. You, and you could also really play with the audio medium too, because there you could really play with sound effects and stuff. You could go like way big with it. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We also have, again, a book with a wonderful library. I just loved this. We so. love to see it. <laughs> I have no other comments other than cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's like modeling for young people that you can go to the library and access all of this amazing knowledge that adults tell you is forbidden. And it's like actually really fucking liberating. So And it's free. It costs you no money. So... 
Yeah. I mean, I think your taxes pay for it, whatever, but like kids don't pay taxes. So go use your library. <laughs> yeah. And it's also one of the only places that we can exist in this capitalist hellscape without the imperative to spend money. Yes, exactly. So like, yeah, use your libraries, ask them to get rid of fines. That's also a big thing now and probably very important, especially for young people. So yeah. <laughs> Let's discuss all things magic. So in this book, we learn that Zara is Dada, which means she has mysterious magical powers, which we later learn is like the ability to fly. Um, And this is also kind of tied to her. She like her parents know this when she's born because she is born with what they call like Dada locks, which are kind of like dreadlocks, but like there's vines growing in the middle. So it was like something that we could look at and like people could look at and know about Zara, but they didn't necessarily know that she had magical powers just just kind of like this lore that she'll be either wise or rebellious and it turns out she's a little bit of both <laughs> um, <laughs> but I thought this was really an interesting way to show someone was magical yeah a way of like we've seen other like hair being like a phys- like a tell essentially that you're different mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like magical or whatever it reminded me of the jasmine throne and the people with like twigs and leaves growing out of them oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah interesting how this like all this folklore that you were mentioning you know is like this wisdom that's been passed down but also kind of like stripped of some of the original knowledge that was with it because like zara is more connected to or like we don't know maybe she's more connected to the earth or to the plants or to the jungle Mm -hmm. or something like that but yeah i was getting the impression that we saw her develop the ability to fly, but that might not be the end of her powers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I I was kind of like wondering if we would see her come into any more powers. And I think this is, if this was a series that went on, we might've seen more, but like Sabidi, um, the other data she knows that from the dark market, like maybe she has other powers. It would have been cool to have seen them like training together or something at some point, but we can just like write fanfic about it now, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Make it if you want to see it. Flying is also like my dream magical power. Like for real. Oh my gosh. I would love to be able to fly. (laughs) Give me some wings. Oh my God. And I love the scene with the burbs in chapter. Which chapter was it? The start of chapter. I I wrote two in the notes, but I think it's like 25. It's definitely late in the book. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just like describing how all the birds are flying and stuff. And I've been learning more stuff about birds lately. Like I was just tired of not knowing the difference between a crow and a raven so i looked it up <laughs> what and the ravens are ginormous <laughs> <laughs> well that's one difference there you go and there's also a lot of other ones turns out sure i'm just saying like they're really big <laughs> <laughs> their wingspan is like four feet which is really they're big huge birds i know <laughs> and apparently they don't hop when they land apparently crows hop when they land they're like little interesting staccato and they're and they're yeah. also like louder and more their cause more obnoxious and the yeah. ravens are like croakier yeah we have a crow call we haven't used it yet <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh and then i also learned about vultures because we have where we walk the dogs sometimes is some pine trees where some vultures like to roost like an yeah. entire group of them yeah colorado has a lot of vultures i feel like and they are so cool turkey vultures to be specific and I, you know how like groups of animal, like names for groups of animals can be like really esoteric and adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, turns out vultures 
a group of vultures gets a different name depending on the action that they're doing. Oh, interesting. So if they're flying and soaring above, they're a kettle of vultures. Okay, weird. If they're (laughs) roosting in a tree, they are a committee. Okay. And if they are feasting on dead flesh, they are a wake. Oh, isn't that okay. the most metal I thing like you've that ever one. heard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I good. mean, it's not better than a murder of crows, but you know, <laughs> no, that's true. It's not better. <laughs> or an unkindness it's, it's of ravens, second. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's up there. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? Awake. I was like, oh, I like this. This is cool. Yeah, it's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, back to the book that we're talking about. Anyway. <laughs> Um, when Zara is like called to do her magic, she has to like find this inner space of calm. And I thought that there were really approachable descriptions of meditation, essentially calming the mind and opening up to the other than human world and like accessing parts of yourself that otherwise are is like too buried or like lost in all of the like static going on you know and just mm-hmm. i i thought it was adorable how dari and zara were like fangirling over these hardcore meditators i'm like damn y'all are such nerds it's adorable it was really cute i think it, it reminded me a little bit of like a court of silver flames which we did not do an episode for and we probably will not please do not ask us to <laughs> i'm not reading it again we do enough for y'all oh my god <laughs> But I think I remember in that book, the, like the like the group like, that were called like the Valkyrie, like learning to meditate and like doing all these like exercises to become like. These <laughs> oh my god! Why are you describing? I had, I had literally blocked this out. <laughs> well, so anyways, boring. I thought. It, <laughs> oh, I thought it was cool because I oh, liked yeah, like right. the training montage and like I like I don't like love working out, but I like like feeling strong and like doing things to make myself feel that way so like it kind of reminded me of that like meditation as a way to like strengthen your mind and like be able to find a place of like calm and peace so it just kind of reminded me of that and from to, like, that book access your body you know because like mm-hmm. i feel like so- we're so socialized to be like up in your head and like in your f- frontal cortex not even in like the back of your head or anything <laughs> just like yeah so i i was curious have you do you have experience with meditation or are you are you like a an anti-meditator i was just curious we've never talked about meditation before yeah i actually really like it but i can be kind of bad at it because um so for a while i did like the waking up app which um is like from sam harris and he like studied meditation and psychology like kind of a lot or neuroscience i don't remember um but some of the practices that he did made me really anxious because like one of the practices he does is like to get you to think about things that make you anxious to like remind yourself that you don't like those situations don't necessarily need to make you anxious um, but something that I like even more is, oh, what is the app called? I like have it on my phone. Oh, Headspace. You can get like a subscription to them pretty mm-hmm. cheap if you're a college student. So like do that if you want to. It's like $10 a year. Um, and I really like the person's voice who does that. Um, and I feel like they lead you through some good practices. But yeah, I like meditation and like the like doing, um, what's it called? Danda yoga, Savasana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. So it's good for me, but I'm really bad at like keeping up with it because it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's just like hard to give your spells self the space to like do nothing. And the nothing is like and, so like, full. And I know yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And not to like get away with your thoughts to think about anxious things, even though you're like, there's no reason to, you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I can see why that exposure therapy light was not your favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts on meditation? Love meditation. Love a guided <laughs> meditation. 
I want to do more of a concerted like sitting practice Mm -hmm. because I feel like that is probably what's necessary in order to like make a little bit more progress and also to do some other like you know ways of being in my body mind and Mm -hmm. like being with the stress without just like repressing you know what I mean and the emotions like yeah I feel like I need a practice to give me a bit more of a somatic I don't know feel like I don't have a practice. I lack like a yeah. fitness. Yeah, I think that can be kind of hard. It's almost like a spiritual fitness, yeah. but like the word spiritual is weird. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. Yeah, I like Headspace because it'll like remind you to do it. And they have like a course where you like go through 10 days of doing kind of short ones. And then you can like build up from there. So obviously this is not an ad. It's just something I enjoyed. <laughs> and they have lots of different like voices you can do. And they've like made sure to be inclusive inclusive of like people of color as like the meditation coaches which i think is like a really good sign to me yeah Um, but they're like a shit ton of ads out there or like apps out there (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah it's fun like a recommendation (laughs) but meditation is magical i specifically designed parts of my garden to be like kind of i designed this one part to be like circular so that i could do like a walking meditation Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. And I find when I go out and I'm in the garden, I'm very like in a meditative space and being with my plant friends. Yay. Yay. Oh my God. We'll talk about plants later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, kind of speaking of plants, Dara or not Dara, Zara, (laughs) um, like packs her bag for her journey into the magical forest. And I feel like she was a little underprepared, which makes sense (laughs) because she's like a 13 year old child. Um, Of course, you don't think of all the things, but it made me wonder what you would take with you on a magical journey into a magical forest. Okay, so what would I take? This one knife that I have that's like a kind of a multi tool. It has like a flint in it and like a serrated edge and it's, it's like eight or ten inches long it's by my bed actually <laughs> so smart that's uh-huh. a good idea exactly in case but i would definitely take that we take it camping so it's like definitely good to have around so i would take that hmm. probably a field guide i like that she took a field guide i would probably because i like to write take a journal and a pen and maybe some tarot cards <laughs> Um, and I don't know, these are getting less and less useful maybe as I go along. <laughs> maybe take your meds with you. Oh shit. Yeah. I didn't think about idea. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Reasons why I would be unprepared. A 31 year old would be unprepared apparently going into the magical forest. Oh, it's like your ages are inverted. <laughs> so 13, 31 doesn't matter. Yeah, You're doesn't not ready. <laughs> it's just going to be a shit storm when I go into the forest. What about you? What would you take? Uh, obviously my meds because like I just reminded you. <laughs> oh my God. Thanks mom. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm group mom. So- I would get one of those like those straws, you know, that you can use to like turn gross water into water that's drinkable. Ooh, excellent idea. I don't know how reliable they are. I would also take my knife. I have a knife and I'd take pepper spray because a lot of those animals, I feel like if you pepper sprayed them, like Ooh, yeah. they would run or away. Or like bear spray that had like a yeah. 30 foot radius. Yeah. 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 Definitely my knife. I probably like put a fishing pole on my backpack because like I love to fish, but also like good way to get food. Can I just go with you into the forbidden forest? Yeah. It sounds like a better idea for me. <laughs> I'm going to take my husband with me too because like he was an Eagle Scout and I feel like Fucking that would help. Boy Scout. <laughs> and like some for some reason i feel like he would be useful so (laughs) oh first aid kit like i would have totally taken a first aid kit yes yeah i loved how the soil was healing incredible that was really cool that was so cool that was really cool 
Mm, yeah, that sounds like all my things. Okay, I would have taken more food. Like, would you have taken a book? Is the question a leisure read? <laughs> no, because I would. I would also take the travel guide, but I put it on my nook, and then then I take one of those things that you know you can use to like. Um, <laughs> Um, charge your stuff. Yes, like, he's just going on vacation. In the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like my worst nightmare. I actually do not enjoy camping very much. <laughs> actually, no, don't take me. <laughs> Please don't. <sighs> We're prepared. <laughs> it's like a roller bag suitcase to exactly. go with us. Um, okay, back to this book. <laughs> we also had lots of talking animals, which I thought was cool. We don't see that a lot in the books that we read. No, I, I love think it that might part. be more like indicative of like middle grade novels, which makes sense. And probably like early readers, but I thought it was pretty cool. I loved this part. It's just like it gave it a very like fable vibe, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. really love. And I bookmarked like a bajillion encounters because of all the creatures <laughs> were so cool and described with like such detail. I just I adored all of this. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. You know, I love a dark market. Another classic fantasy <laughs> trope, right? It's where like good and evil mm-hmm. meet, right? Mm-hmm. It just like is it opens up the young protagonist's mind to everything else that's out there and the shock value and I just those are fun scenes to read for me. Yeah, and it was also kind of weird because like obviously there was some shady shit going down in the dark market. Like obviously uh, they yeah. were selling people, but other than that, there didn't seem to be like that much bad stuff there. <laughs> are you ready to talk about your plants? Oh my god, now I got to like in all caps yell about plants. There's so many cool plants. The like skyscrapers being made out of plants and like the people learning to work with the like natural world rather than like against it. Amazing. Like the CPU computers, the like dimension cherries and mystic mangoes, this gourd, the carnivore, carnivorous gourd that almost eats Zara. Just like I'm here for the plants. Yes, plants. It was funny, though. I was like, I don't know what plants are real and which ones are not. Let me just tell you what. They're like, this tree. And I was like, is this a real thing? I have no idea. Plants are magical. It could be, it could be a thing. We, we don't know. <laughs> I should have looked them all up, but I was like real into it while I was reading. <laughs> now we're going to talk about conflict villains and good versus evil in our segment, Get Me Kylo Ren. <laughs> In kind of an unusual fashion for most of the books we read, there wasn't like one person who embodies something evil in this story. It's more of like the structures in place in society that keep people from learning, the meanness that we sometimes see in young children, you know, like in their interactions with each other, and how gossip can affect one person, in this case, Sarah. So I feel like one. T- usually we have like one person who we can be like, Mm, yes there's structures in place that are bad but also like this person kind of embodied all that but we don't really get that in this book which was an interesting choice yeah I wonder if it's um you know a function of both the maybe middle grade part of it but also it's you know a bit before these books that seem to be about like revolution and Mm -hmm. like although this is kind of a more quiet revolution about yeah changing people's minds and you know and combating ignorance and which is a slow burn you know that's not as Mm -hmm. sexy or spectacular as these yeah big rupture moments right but yeah i i actually was kind of found this refreshing you know that it was Mm -hmm. a little less for lack of a better word preachy Mm -hmm. about this sort of thing and Zara wasn't like fighting a societal conflict like she was trying to save her friend and the byproduct of which is like inspiring people to look beyond 
the limits that they had imposed on themselves or the society had imposed on themselves, you know? For sure. And I do feel like in middle grade, usually it's like a little more clear, like there's like a clear cut villain because I think young people are at that age where they like, this is bad, this is good. Like things are kind of like, I don't want to say black and white, but like, you know what I mean? Like good, bad, like there's no gray areas or like we don't have morally gray characters. We don't um, have a morally gray character though. I do too. But like in middle grade, I feel like it's more like very clear cut. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really interesting to see something that was like a little more like, thoughtful maybe and like that's not like a to be shitty against place like authors who do like something very clear cut but like it was just it was just different you know what i mean yeah it was refreshing Yeah, it was more subtle yeah yeah which i think is good like young people should be given the space to deal with subtleties as well yeah (laughs) in this book dari thinks that they don't teach the field guide in school because adults think it will corrupt children which sounds very similar and familiar to things going on (laughs) these days in the real world with banned books and things like that so it was just like yep yep this was almost 20 years ago and we're still dealing with this bullshit like why (laughs) yep same bullshit different day different decade you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I loved at the end of the book like I loved how much like this is maybe doesn't go here but whatever how much wrap-up there was I was so satisfied yeah. with how much conclusion there was because at the end, and there's this like a little nugget that's re- relatable, this thing that you brought up, but like at the end, the library has ordered five new copies of the field guide and they were all checked out. So it's like, yeah, again, this like slow, to see it. slow burn revolution, <laughs> you know, that I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the greeny gorillas, so fun to spend time with them. Love it. Mm-hmm. But they have really have this issue with technology. And they think it makes the humans lazy and that it cuts themselves off from the, from everything else. And yeah, I just appreciated this like other meditation. It's a way of like putting in a different perspective for young people to consider, you know, about technology and things that they may never have thought twice about, especially I'm thinking like 2005, damn, like iPhones weren't even out yet. Right. Maybe early ones, but I don't even know I if think that. I remember someone getting an iPhone 2007, but maybe an early one, whatever. But like. Yeah, imagine now, like, those sorts of reflections are even more important now with, like, how ingrained and how young people are using so many different devices, you know? Yeah, and I, like, appreciated this also because I think sometimes we think of, like, early modern humans as being, like, not as smart as we are because of, like, how much we have now. But I think a lot of studies have shown that, like, actually they had to get very good at doing specific things that we don't have to think about so like they were like experts in like the things that they could do and now we just have machines do them so I think sometimes we think of people without technology like in our real world people who don't use technology as like not as intelligent or smart or whatever but really like a lot of times they have a skill set that maybe we don't have so I, I really like this aspect of the book and probably if we actually took time to consider their perspective a lot of good reasons for yeah. not using <laughs> technology in so in sure, as yeah. many different right, ways right mm-hmm. okay let's go onward magical friends just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, although I will simply walk into Mordor when the new Lord of the Rings show comes out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, not sorry. Um, let's talk about representations of race, class, gender, ability, etc. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. 
Okay, so I feel like there is so much to talk about in One Does Not Simply today. So maybe let's talk about how this book was published in 2005, which we mentioned, Mm -hmm. which feels like a million years ago because I was in high school then. (laughs) Um, God, that was a long time ago. And I can't speak to Okorafor's more recent novels because I haven't read them, but there were some things that stuck out to me as being probably very different than they might have been written today. I think just because of like, the way we talk about specific things in society now. And let's be honest, I've changed a lot since high school. I was a very different person then. And my thoughts on specific things have changed. And I'm sure Acoria Fours have. As yeah, well. imagine almost 20 years ago, like I, my perspective is so different now. Yeah. Like I didn't have the internet in my pocket every day, everywhere I went. Like I was still using uh, like the T9 keyboard on my phone. Like, and some of you will not know what that is. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> look it up. But but yeah, like I had no vocabulary for queerness or like being disabled Mm-mm. in like a political way, you know? No, no. None. And there's just lots of things like we just, I mean, there were lots of things I'd never heard of when I was like 20 years ago. So it's just something to think about. I think sometimes when we're reading these older novels, I think sometimes authors can like get like quote unquote canceled because of like their early things. But like we also need to make room for people to grow and change, um, especially if they're willing to do that. So like I said, I can't speak to Okorafor's other novels, but I just thought it should be noted. (laughs) Yes. And on that note, there is lots of talk about going crazy or insane involved with the jungle. And Mm. I think this goes to show how far we've come in discussions around mental illness since this book has come out. And I think authors now would handle this more delicately or differently um, to talk about like the effects of like being alone in a scary place and like how that could lead to PTSD as opposed to this leading to someone going crazy. But I just think that like that stuck out to me a lot in this novel, how often that was said. And I think it's not something we really do in our day to day lives or talk like we don't talk like that or, you know, minimize the kind of things that cause PTSD in people now that we might that we did then you know Mm -hmm. and I think another aspect of this is like we also see the idea of crazy or insanity used against people who are maybe have like a more open perspective and a liberated worldview you know Mm -hmm. um like people who go into the jungle and like get their world totally changed, you know, turned upside down and realize that the Uni Kingdom isn't all there is and all these other things, you know, that like Zara's t- discussing it with Dari and stuff at the end and how like society uses the idea of crazy and insanity to write off people with different perspectives who would mm-hmm. radically change society sometimes yeah. for the better, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's just kind of reminded me to about the end of the the book. The the like the last exchange they have, Dari and Zara is like, it seems like no one else knows about all of this like amazing new perspective that has been opened up to them. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, not very many people do. Your point about crazy or insane really made me think about um about that and how it's used as like a to write people off and yeah. dismiss them and their ideas. Um, we also see in the book, and I don't think this is I. <laughs> I don't think this is a result of the times the book was written in, but like in the society that Azar is growing up in, girls are not rebellious. Like they're expected to not be rebellious, but soft, quiet, and patient. I think that's something that um, Papa Grip mentions uh, or someone mentions in the book, but um, I don't think this is a result of the time, but I think this is a result of, you know, um, misogyny. And I think this is something that is often expected of young girls even now. 
and we see kind of Zara pushing back against this and she kind of fits into that like soft, quiet, patient vibes at the beginning of the book. But we see her rebellious nature come out as she um, learns more about herself and, you know, in order to save her friend who she loves. Um, So we kind of see like her breaking out of this expectation that society has for her. And becoming like a celebrity for it. So Mm -hmm. like who knows how many paradigms for young people that she's going to shift, you know, in her fictional world. Right. So it's like both like the importance of representation and also the limitations of it. Right. The, the novel is playing with certain things about gender like this, like, and, and Zara's rebellion against it, but also Papa grip and his take on masculinity and kind of how he's this effusive, yeah. Fatherly character, paternal character and who loves bright pink and just wears the most amazing caftans and, Mm -hmm. Just like even little sprinklings of visibility and gender nonconformity, I think can make a difference. Yeah, for sure. On that note, on like the other hand, oh my god, totally. We see, oh yeah, we see that in this book, becoming a woman is tied to menstruation in this world that they live in. And like we said before, this book was written twenty years ago, or almost twenty years ago. And I don't think there was as much talk about. Um, trans experiences then like I don't even think I knew what that was 20 years ago like I was a freshman slash sophomore in high school and I if someone had said they were trans I wouldn't have no idea what that meant um but I think we kind of see how like from reading this book that like in this society like in the society in the book like being a woman is tied to menstruation but I think if this book were written now it might not be the case again I don't know (laughs) I haven't read any of Nettie Okorafor's other books, so I don't know like what her ta- like what her thoughts on the matter are. Um, but I think that we do see this changing in middle grade and young adult books as time has gone on, like in the books that I've read, where it's like, well, being a woman is not tied to your ability to carry a child or menstruation. Like there are lots of ways to go about being a woman in this world. Because if we were doing th- because those parameters just don't work because there are plenty of women who are women and don't have children yeah and who don't yeah, menstruate of course. Yeah. you know so like it's it's just like the the motherhood imperative is mm-hmm. kind of like on the back burner there i guess when it's tied to menstruation maybe that's just like my baggage i don't know but yeah i i agree that this was like i mean good to talk about periods i guess especially yes. with you know in middle grade novels when people can mm-hmm. start menstruating Mm-hmm. but yeah the the gender binary is like not my favorite yeah but like like again like 20 years ago like I don't know that most of people in American society had the vocabulary for this or no, like knew I don't think so I mean I know I didn't but also I was a kid so like who knows what adults were going on but yeah we also see um Zara like having to stop to go pee in the woods which I thought was cool because we often don't see like any bathroom business in (laughs) books that we read so it was funny to see that and I thought like very realistic because like obviously Zara would have to go to the bathroom in the woods like (laughs) where is my fantasy character with IBD like I know one day (laughs) we'll write it (laughs) (laughs) there are no white people in this book (laughs) thank whatever god x yeah whomever bless yeah yeah i just wanted to point it out didn't miss them good riddance yeah (laughs) there were still like hints of slavery going on because people were being sold in the dark market um but still no white people so thanks 
Thanks, Nettie. <laughs> Which I think brings us to a good time to talk about Zara and her hair. Obviously, Zara is a black young girl and she's being made fun of for her hair. And so I think it's a good time to talk about black hair in general and like the importance to some black women surrounding their hair. Like obviously not everyone's going to feel the same, but just like the societal pressures to do specific things with your hair and or not do them coming from both within and outside of your community is like kind of a big deal. Um, So I kind of appreciated seeing this through Zara because she lives in a community with all black people. But at the same time, like there's still like bullying going on around like how she keeps her hair and like what it looks like and you know those kinds of things so I really appreciated that Nettie Okorafor like used that in this book to talk about hair because Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of especially middle school like in middle school I was very self-conscious about my hair I straightened it all the time and which was terrible for my hair obviously people can make whatever choices they want regarding whether or not to straighten their hair that's not my choice to make for other people but like i thought straight hair was where like what you needed to have yeah, and you like, did it because the, it, that. that's what's pretty and desirable right exactly yeah exactly and like all the famous black people i knew straightened their hair because like obviously they were living in a society that was telling them they needed to do that right um so i just really appreciated this in the book and i just wanted to like carve out a little space um to say mind your own business about what people decide to do with their hair and no and you can't do not touch, touch it. it do not ask <laughs> <laughs> never ask like One, what the fuck no you can't touch me period no you can't th- <laughs> like, six fucking feet of distance now from now feet. on god damn it yeah but also no you cannot touch my hair <laughs> Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about sexuality, asexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take some liberties and do some shipping of our own. (laughs) I'm going to sip my tea. I know. I'm struggling with the braces, y'all. Sometimes I think it's making me talk weird. (laughs) No worries. No worries. No judgment. Um, So we really have Zara and Dari and their friendship. And it was just, oh, I loved it. It was so sweet. It was beautiful. And like within the first few chapters, they talk about friend love and it's just Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. so it just hits so true, you know, that just like friend love is unlike anything else. And there's just awesome, awesome. Like, it's just amazing. And I can include a few things like how to survive the end of the world. They just did an episode on friend love, this podcast I love. And Maggie Rogers just has a good, uh, really good song come out about a best friend and I'm just like oh yes let's do more more about friends like it is a radical amazing way of being in relationship yeah and I think we see more of this maybe in middle grade novels because we kind of got this in witchlings as well totally Um, because like it's a little bit before you know young people start like dating and like they have crushes but it's not like the center of their universe yet Mm So I I really appreciate this about middle grade novels that they center friendships so much. It's adorable. Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings. This book was dedicated to Virginia Hamilton, which I loved. Um, She's a black author who's won a ton of awards for her writing and is one of the very few, I think like one of four, maybe five um, black people to have won a Newbery Award in its 100 year history. Um, (laughs) So I just thought this was really cute. 
now I cannot remember any of her titles, of course, um, and she's no longer alive. But I just thought that this was really cool to see. And she, I think she was alive when the book came out. But I just like that um, Nettie Akorafor was like dedicating this book to to such a prolific writer who came before her and I'm guessing, um, you know, inspired her. So I thought this was really sweet. <laughs> yeah, just like the Black literary line- lineage and how crucial it is. Cultural production is so necessary, you know. Yeah, I read the dedication at the end after I finished and I was like, all right, full disclosure, no idea who this person is because yeah. my fucking white ass upbringing, you know, didn't read any feel- like, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'll just put this on air and then add my TBR <laughs> and get some things from the library. Okay, let's see. I feel like you probably read some of her books um, because there's some that were like really popular. Okay. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, M.C. Higgins the Great. I think that's the one that won the Newbery Award. That's probably like her most popular book. Actually, I I I read it. Okay. But I like remember seeing it around. But anyways, yeah. So very popular author. Maybe we'll we'll do like a throwback. (laughs) That's a good idea. Well, at least I need to do some research on my end because that's (laughs) ignorance for sure. Um, we also see like this idea of primitive versus civilized cultures or way of being like throughout the book, which I thought was really interesting because Zara's like society seems to be like very respectful of different kinds of cultures and like ways of being. And we see that with like the way that the different kingdoms are respectful of each other and like the differences in what they hold as being important. But like there was this big through line of being like dressed in a certain way and that showed you were civilized or like versus like the greeny gorillas as being primitive which it was just like a strange through line throughout the book i thought yeah and also i saw that we saw this see this in the field guide which is like Mm -hmm. my next point about paratext (laughs) you know i love that paratext and i thought it was used so well for like exposition and stuff um maybe a little bit of show versus or tell versus show but whatever um for narrative expediency i thought it was a good tool And, and yeah how they are talking about like down with ignorance and how they're saying that like ignorance is actually primitive, you know, mm-hmm. versus. The, and so by, if you just like flip the, like the primitive versus civilized paradigm just never holds water, you know, cause there's, yeah. you can always flip it around. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated the through line and like seeing like this kind of talked about in a way that we don't normally see in like the books we read. And I think it was like a, a juxtaposition between like, this is where Zara is from and then this is what the jungle's like and one being primitive and one being civilized and really seeing like how they handle different things and obviously the people who are civilized quote-unquote like from the uni kingdom couldn't survive in the like quote-unquote primitive yeah so much learned helplessness you know (laughs) yeah we also see the power of books about strong brave vulnerable black girls I just love this like you know hashtag black girl magic black girl joy like black boy joy with Dari um I think this is like such a great book for anyone to read but I think it's particularly great for young black girls who don't get to see themselves in books especially in 2005 um yeah (laughs) but also now like you can be strong and brave and vulnerable like you can be lots of things you don't just have to be one thing so I just really appreciated that in this book so good so, so good. Before we end, it's time for Real Talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way, or did it make you interrogate a concept, system, or trend that you hadn't before? I really like this part where Zara needed a time alone to 
to give her the push to be brave and to learn more about herself. So like so much of this book takes place with Zara just by herself, but it really gave her the space and the time she needed to like maybe become the person she wanted to be and like grow up a little bit. And I just think it like kind of speaks to the fact that sometimes you do need time to yourself and it's not like a selfish thing to ask for so that you can think about things and just like be with yourself and like you should be able to spend time alone um, and still be, you know, a happy person. Yeah. <laughs> um, be it's important to learn how to, yeah. Yeah. So it's important to learn how to love yourself, even if it means you have to do it by yourself. So I just really appreciated this about this book. Cause I don't think it's something that young people see very often. What a beautiful nugget that you brought up to the surface. Gorgeous. <laughs> what a pearl. <laughs> Another nugget of wisdom from the speculating speckled frog. This is a quote from page 146. You never know that you want what you want until you figure out that you want it. But before then, you don't know anything. (laughs) This is like so infuriatingly uh, true. But like once you know what you want, you just are like, holy shit. You know, and it's just like a direction, a directionality, like a compass kind of opens up. Yeah, (laughs) so true. We can finish off with Dari uh, from page 65. I just, I love this, his character. He's just so great. A curious mind must be properly fed. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was perfect. So good. (laughs) It's so true. So go to the library, everyone. Go to the library. It's free. (laughs) It's free. (laughs) All right, let's do some card questions. Let's do it. Sound effects, thank you. <laughs> what do the characters reveal about themselves through their relationships? Mm. I think Zara learns to have a relationship with herself and that she's stronger than she thinks. <laughs> yeah, and it was her love for her best friend that was the impetus for her to go on this journey that gave her that transformative space. Oh, it was so magical. Fucking <laughs> magical. Friends are goddamn magic. How about another one? All right, let's see. Oh my God. It, this is like a thesis could be answered, uh, written on this question. How is nature treated in the book? Oh, too much. Just too as, much. We can't yeah, there. That's something terrible and awful and also magical and wonderful. Like it depends on who you're talking to in the book. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thanks for listening to the library coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of the City Beautiful by Aiden Polidorus. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reading, reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at The Library Coven. You can subscribe, of course, to The Library Coven on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other people out there who you think would enjoy it. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on coffee. Jesse's going to need some coffee because school is starting (laughs) (laughs) or school will be started. So throw her coffee (laughs) and you can also support us monthly on Patreon or by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical. Stay magical.